All right, welcome back to Chasing Squirrels. I am thrilled to be able to reconnect with my guest on this week's episode, Alison Fuis. I gotta say that uh, the original conversation was set up for last June, and you know, we kind of my people and her people just couldn't cut. <laughs> You're not supposed to start laughing. I haven't introduced you yet. Um, my people couldn't get it together with her people. Then there was like a broken shoulder thing. And then summer happened. And then a long silence. And then she reached back out to me recently and said, hey, we, we're going to do this thing. And I was like, okay, yeah, let's let's roll. So um, without too much giggles, Allison, welcome to the, the podcast. <laughs> Thank you. Good. I, go ahead. Go ahead. I, I'm sorry. The fact that your your podcast is called Chasing Squirrels, which is just exactly what happened. I saw a squirrel idea, like you know, just the, the sidetrack brain of this educator. Yeah. And then I realized that in that time frame too, I fell off my bike and oh. had a small concussion. So I never shared that with you. So we've had a couple injuries in between our first original connect, where our people clearly did not make it work, but our people came together now. <laughs> I will say, you know, two things. I, I am this. This podcast is nothing if not meta. And um, the second part is, I guess, recovery. I mean, everyone so well, chasing squirrels is tough. <laughs> you <need laughs> totally. Some recovery time. You fell off your bike. <laughs> that's, oh yeah, that's the whole. That was a that was a, a dog issue, not my dog. It was just wrong place, wrong time, <laughs> going too fast on a country road. Oh, that's a whole other episode. Well, I digress. <laughs> See if I can swing that one back in at some point, or at least be able to make some, some metaphor out of it. So. Yeah. Um, okay, so throw down throw down uh, uh, an introduction for yourself. Who are you? What you doing? Well, as you mentioned, I'm Alison Fuis. Well done with the pronunciation. I'm really happy to be a French immersion educator here in Ottawa at the Ottawa Carleton District School Board. Pretty excited about that. Um, and I definitely can consider myself a lifelong learner. So I'm definitely always seeking out professional development. Um, I took that risk a couple of years ago to do my master's, which definitely uh, challenged me in such a meaningful way and connected me to some awesome individuals and really has pushed me to really look at education in a different way, not in, in a really positive way, uh, a, a, cha- a positive change um, um, attitude kind of thing. Um, and to, for me as an educator, just to be just to be continually looking at things from different perspectives and critically thinking about things like we try to challenge our students to do. Just note that I'm a pro- I am a teacher here in Ontario, but I'm a product of the Nova Scotia uh, education system. Yeah, I know. Right. Two, I was a two year education program student at Acadia. So before it came into here in Ontario, I knew all about it. <laughs> you know what, though? The fa- I think there's a, a cold, cold stone, stone cold fact in there that uh pretty much Ontario was the only place that didn't have a two-year. This is true. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, part of it is like you folks were doing it right. Because even thinking back now, so I was a product of the one year and I think about all that stuff that I could have been learning about or uh, practicuming, made that word up, about. uh, (laughs) (laughs) Because the fact of it is, is the one year. Now, I was fortunate when I came through, I came through as a tech teacher. And I will tell you, the courses that they were offering for tech teachers to become teachers were way better than the ones that they were offering core. Core teachers, you basically, from my observational experience, if you were coming in with your English degree, you then had to take an English course. And I thought to myself, why? You've already taken your degree. 
for example, one of the courses I got to take, it was it was incredible. It literally was tech classroom management, how to use an overhead, how, how to use an overhead, how to write on the chalkboard properly, like how to position yourself so that you can write clearly and still interact with your class. And I can remember talking about... Um, sitting in the computer lab, typing up a paper. And there were two individuals across from me that were like science and math. And they were, they were so frustrated, so frustrated. Like, why do we have to keep doing? They're basically, I get it. The essence of it was teaching them how to teach their courses, like their, their curriculum specialty. But it, you know, from my point of view across the table, it sounded like it just felt like they were taking more math and more science courses. And I thought to myself, so I came in as a chef. So I had that tech training. Oh, amazing. It it was really cool. So I thought, you know, being shown how to not reverse your overhead and how kind of left is right and up is down, like all those kind of things that tend to be the embarrassment moment when you're trying to keep your curriculum together. I thought, man, they should have had, that should be for everybody. So that was the one upside. But then all the other stuff that I've since then got interested in, like special education and alternative education and, um, all those spaces were not representative of my learning and thinking back, those were all add-ons. So my hope is that in the least having a two year for anyone that has that program now, some of those pieces are now integral as opposed to, Oh yeah, by the way, you have to go to this, you have to go to this three hour seminar at night and that's the only time you're going to be exposed to it. Well, and I I think I, I had the opportunity last year to actually take us to comment position at U Ottawa and I was teaching a course and getting to talk to the students, they were the first cohort of it. That was such an eye-opener, too. It was a reminder of what I did over my two years, but, too, that how how students are helping to shape how these programs work because of their now more fluid um, practicum experiences and having more practicum experiences, seeing what's happening in the classroom, giving that feedback to the courses, which I or to the programs, which I'm definitely hoping that they they take and seeing, like, the realities of the classroom versus just the research, um, like how to, how to combine that to be effective educators. Um, because, you know, you can read tons of things from a book, but how are you going to apply that? How are you going to put that into action in the diverse rooms in which we get to learn and with the awesome students? So um, it's definitely an interesting experience. Have you, um, have you had any teacher candidates work with you? I have not actually. I, I I don't know if it's because it's a French immersion thing, and we're so you know there's we're we're fewer in numbers. But I, within that same breath, there have been uh, within my school multiple teacher, um, uh, you know, educators in training or whatever you want to call them um, that I definitely speak with, and just I'm curious about their what their experience is like, how they're developing the relationships with the students in this short time frame that they're here. What are they learning in their courses? How is it applicable to the space that they're in now? Um, what are we doing that is opposite or in line with it? Like how how are we connecting the systems so that there's success rates, uh, you know, retention success rates versus people, you know, dropping out because they're too frustrated or you know, jobs may be the issue, but some people, you know, just it's they're overwhelmed or whatever. Um, so I've had conversations with. Uh, some of those people passing through our doors. Yeah, me too. I've I've connected digitally. There's um a bit there's a side hustle that I'm on again, off again with the um on ed mentors. Yes, yeah. And and I'm 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 loosely affiliated with it now. It was deeper in before, 
But the the whole intent with that was to connect with in-program candidates, pre-service, first or second year, whatever they were in, and sort of help them help them help connect with them, but also broaden their, I guess their practicum, but also their learning network in in a in a not artificial manner. It wasn't just, hey, here's some people to follow. It was here's someone to talk to, which is a fundamentally different kind of dynamic. It's not just sort of pushing, hey, you got to go meet these people. It was actually handing them a fully fleshed out relationship. And it's like, here you go. Like you can start with something right now. So I always, I wonder, it's funny. I, I've never, I don't think I've had the opportunity to have, I've worked with teacher candidates before, but they were assigned. They were, there was a group of them that was assigned. It was when I was in special education prior to my current portfolio. And there was three of them that were assigned to our department um, they were tagged to one teacher, but they were sort of moving in all the spaces. So they got to be in all the grade levels of special education in high school level. But they also got to do a lot of um, – they got a lot of different experiences because every teacher that they worked with, they were able to kind of you know glean some more stuff. It's funny. When I think about taking on a student teacher myself, there's one part of my brain that says, Clough, you so need to involve yourself with that. There's another part, though. I'm I'm a little scared. Oh, it's a funny thing. At the same point, I'm like, I'm, I'm, I'm like, I'm, I get this little bit of anxiety. It, it's, and it, you know what it comes down to? And it's so, it's so ridiculous. But what it comes down to, they're going to look at my stuff. They're, they're going to look at, they're going to look at the stuff that I'm developing. And, and I think to myself, my gosh, Clef, like, isn't that such a, isn't that exactly like the conversation that we just kind of cringe at sometimes? Like, don't look at my lessons. Don't look at my, don't look at what I've designed. But there's something there's something in me that's like, oh, but they're gonna they're gonna they're gonna they're gonna see the inner workings of you. They won't. But you know what? They won't get. I think that, and and just to respectfully think, like, is it is it if is your fear factor that they're going to judge it, that they're going to look at it and be like, this is opposite of what we're being told at the at the course level, our you know our secondary or our post secondary learning, or is it that they're gonna take it and make it their own, like you know plagiarism type thing? Like, what is it? No, no, no. I'm like, and that's the thing. I give it away for free in a second, in a second. It's just a weird, a weird malformed voice, you know, reaching forward from first year teacher me. That's, that's all it is. It's yeah. just, I'm, I, I just find it remarkable that that voice is still there because I share everything, everything, like take it, take it. And, and, you know, my only hope is that that message in the bottle comes back to me with something written on it some year from now. Yeah. Like I really, I don't, but it's, it's when it's, that's that sort of like um, passing in the night kind of a relationship. Um, now, okay. So side note about Clough, I'm good with relationships. You know, I'm, I'm pretty, <laughs> I'm a pretty good relationship guy. I'm reliable, you know, I'm responsible, but there's something about that that just makes me think that, like, I get nervous. I get nervous with that that deeper bit of accountability. I guess I like being a cluster of a part of the cluster of supports. It's that specific. Yeah, I will say there is something within it, and and it's and it's. I will not say it's justified, but there is something in it that also makes me nervous about seeing how the faculties are setting up the students. And my my sort of wondering about what happens if I see something that really isn't on point, and I will I am the person that will say yeah that's not on point. I know you're a university, but that's that's not on point with where things kind of are. I can see how that would be talked about at faculty, but that's that's not really where we're at, we're at here. So I also have that little bit too, like how to challenge 
how is there any space for me to challenge back with the university curriculum at that point? Well, that's where I think that that universities having creating more secondment opportunities for teachers to leave the classroom and still be in the classroom and come in and work with the the tenured professors to look at it from a different perspective and to look at it from the ministry idea. Uh, don't get me wrong, I love research. Like I'm continually looking at things and. Um, you know how some people get absorbed in YouTube. Um, I get absorbed in like metadata, not to be like, oh, well, this is if they're this data is saying all this, then I have to do it. Totally opposite. It's just more a curiosity of the time spent and to see, well, you know, what did the kids get out of this, and how is this truly changing the practice of educators to support students, and how is this really being rolled out, or is this just another bandwagon, or what? What is that expression? Um, is a bandwagon? I'm horrible with expressions yeah. sometimes. Yeah. Um, Say it in French. There, I don't even know if there is one in French, to be honest. <laughs> I, I, love, I love those words. In my brain. Um, you know, I, it's... Bandwagons, yeah, right? Yeah, so, yeah. I mean, it, like, are you jumping on it? You're jumping on the bandwagon? Yeah, you're jumping on the bandwagon. And, and who's picking up this research? And why are they picking it up? And like, have they looked at their demographics? Like, all these questions go through my head. And it's why my brain doesn't shut down sometimes. But the experience that I had of incorporating student voice like I the class that I taught at at the university they were the end of their second year their last term and you know I showed them my syllabus I was so proud of myself like I got some feedback from some of my colleagues and some friends and things like that they're in the education system outside of Ottawa and they're like yeah this looks awesome like it's connected it makes sense blah 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 it's like authentic whatever showed it to them like well we did this we did this we did this so I asked them, I said, okay, if you've already all done this stuff and you're familiar with these documentations, what do you need? Like how, look at the course title and what can I provide you with to make you feel ready under the headings that I need to follow? Like, here's what I need to do for you, but what can, how can I spin that? And the, um, the opportunity that I had to change the syllabus on the first day to reflect the needs of the students was phenomenal. Um, and so knowing that there was support at the university level within that department to do that, uh, under the caveat that I'm still following their guidelines, but supporting these, uh, soon to be certified educators, uh, was pretty phenomenal. Um, doesn't mean we still didn't repeat some stuff through a different perspective, but it was kind of cool to be able to do that and to know that they were open to as such. I was really fortunate to, uh, be brought into, so it's, you know, PLNs from Twitter. I, I got to say it. Like I love, I love what I've gained by making these professional relationships. I really do. And one one person in particular, Jill Stambolich, invited me in. She was teaching. So she's elementary. She's uh, music. Music's in her heart. That's her training. She's also done a lot of work with the Rotman School, integrative oh, thinking. Yeah, yeah. So, so just like out of the, like just out of this world reframing of education kind of stuff and she was teaching i think it was the music 1 aq or something like that and she brought me in just for a talk and i came in and i talked about um kind of empathetic universal design which i i think i put some words together and i thought yeah that sounds good i think and then I, and then i built my my sort of talk around it but what it came down to is sort of being being mindful really being mindful of how you integrate your, your life with curriculum. 
So how how is it that you're building story? So it's not not so much rhetoric; it's more poetic when you're when you're delivering. And there's a space to exist in there. And I brought in podcasting and reflective practice as well. And when I when I got in that space, I really enjoyed it. I liked coming in as the consultant and sort of playing the part there. Um, but I would I think I would be very I'd be anxious. I'd be I'd I'd be stressed out about designing designing that curriculum. I think I'd be playing it more like. Well, how you resulted it? You said, like, what can I bring to you? What what can I offer you? Because I have a ton of things, and and without imposing experience on you, or without imposing the syllabus, if I can work within this kind of like the wiggle room, what is it that you need? And uh, I really enjoyed that because I I felt like I was able to come in that and do that like as a session. Yeah. And the com- the conversations were cool. They were very cool. Well, and we need to have honest conversations with the pre-service teachers, and it also allows us to think about our practice and that the voices, it's the its the many voices that create uh, great opportunities. Um, and uh, that's definitely what this opportunity provided for me. It made me rethink a few things and look at it from a different angle, um, made me up my game and many other perspectives, um, but to also not take myself overly seriously with some things either because... Um, at the end of the day, it's, it's about the kids learning opportunity and our jobs are, they're not jobs they're they're fun professions to be in if we choose to have that attitude. And that's, that's what I hope everyone leaves the edge programs feeling, um, happy course that they're done, but that they're getting into a really exciting, fun profession if they choose to look at it from that angle. I would agree. I would agree. I would agree that the joy, <laughs> joy is good. Joy is very good. I wanted to um I wanted to ask so here's a here's a, a big sweeping question. You jump on whatever I, so yeah. Um, and I'm believe me, I'm still looking at the sketch note that I put together. Um but how about this for a leap off? Yep. So we were we were going to talk in June. So it's now was that July, August, so what, like eight months later ish? Yep. Tell me about any sort of major shifts, major changes, bit like how different is 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 are, are you and I right now, eight months later, like where we were sort of having that original conversation, I'm looking back through this sketch note. And I'm like, okay, I kind of covered your blogs. And then I sort of, I think I also want to remind you, like, I still love your Twitter profile picture. <laughs> it has such like joy. And I think there was a story there that you shared. Um, but eight, eight, how, how different now, how different now, eight months later, are you? Like thinking about me approaching you eight months ago to have a conversation and now there's eight months more of things to talk about. What pops up <laughs> from those eight months that, you know? Oh, um, see, it's a lot. There's a, there's, there's a lot. You could totally, you could grab anything. Oh, this, this is such a loaded, like this is, this is so huge. Um, I'm going to try to minimize it, by, but, but still be really cognizant of a, of a, a response that's honest. Um, so in June, we, I knew that my school was closing. I was in a grade six, seven, eight school, and we were one of the ones slated to be shifted to a seven to 12 while our grades, our grade sixes would stay in their locations before they would transfer to us. So, um, the biggest change for me has been adjusting to our, not just our new location in terms of space, but the learning opportunities, um, the, just being in a new building, um, developing new relationships with colleagues that are in the nine to 12, um, try, trying to co-create a vision um, to navigate through different perspectives of what education looks like and the, 
you know, how some people are unfamiliar with how elementary works and some people are unfamiliar with secondary. Um, so it's been a navigation of relationships of using uh, space in a different way um, of trying to build the connection from the seven to 12 student perspective. Um, it's been a, a time, you know, time adjustment for me, uh, you know, rebalancing a few things, letting some things go, taking more things on. Um, it's, it's been overwhelming in some ways and I've definitely felt more tired this year, but I've also felt, um, more positives and like, whoa, this is really cool. Like this is a, this, this is an opportunity for us to really be solution focused and be collaborative and, um, yeah, like I, it's, it's kind of hard to, in all honesty, to put the past eight months in words from the preparation of having these meetings to put us, to kind of get us set up for this, this change to the realities of it has been a real testament to um, how people adjust to change. Like it's, it's the process, um, the process building up for it. you come in, like you, you can be either really kind of nervous about it or eyes wide open. And I was eyes wide open being like, yeah, let's do this. This is going to be great. I'm going to miss where we were. Don't get me wrong. And then kind of the reality sits in of like, oh my gosh, the work that needs to go into making this really awesome for the kids. Um, that's, it's, it's more than I think some of us thought at first. Um, but it, it's really kind of pushing our thinking and pushing, pushing the envelope in some positive ways of, of looking at a seven to 12 model differently. Um, so maybe I think that answer was longer than I intended it to be. <laughs> um, no, it's it, it, no, it totally it totally works, and and you've you've given me you know lots of little inroads into it. So teachers teachers when they're going into whatever they're going to teach, they're they're kind of deciding what level they're going to teach at, and so you know I despite the fact I teach intermediate students, that stops at grade nine. Like I don't have. I can say I teach intermediate, but I don't have the the full experience of what teaching intermediate is because that's a wider band than just grade nine and ten students. So I'm I'm curious about you know you've you have a, a an experiential lens that I would say very few teachers have. Very few educators have that experience of sort of moving their moving across that intermediate line into as you've said like a, a completely brand new frame. So when the change was made and you arrive in September, I'm curious about what to, Hey buddy, it's okay. It's okay. It's all good. He has a toy. That's, There's that's, a dog in, in this, everybody, just so anyone listening knows. That's, yeah. yeah that's, that's my son. That that's my there. son. I gotta, I gotta feed him. <laughs> Jacob, go get some, some raw, some raw <laughs> meat. <laughs> That's oh my awesome. goodness! It's uh, Sorry, this laughter to, is to all my listeners. I do not feed my son raw meat. But, um, <laughs> so, but okay. So here's the here's the here's the question then. So you, you've you've moved through this sort of spectrum of of intermediate intermediacy that many instructors would never have an opportunity to have. So you step in in September. Within the first first few weeks, you start to have these thoughts, these noticings. What's the thing that you start to notice when you're actually immersed in the change? So you spend all this time developing, approaching, prototyping, guessing, dreaming, and then you arrive. And then yep. you arrive. September, school starts. 
What do you start to notice about being in that space that maybe, well, I would say you had no, you had no way to sort of see it until you were there. Was there anything in particular that you, you that kind of popped up on the front end of that change? Um, I, the, I do believe space would be one of them. The fact that we had ourselves spread out in one spot and then all of us are in the same hallway so in my mind, I saw it as, oh, this is awesome. Collaboration is going to go through the roof. But our whole schedule changed and how we rotate through the periods um, shifted to a far more, um, the way our students shift. So what I noticed first was just a difference of how I had to approach my teaching because of transitions happening in the hallway. That was something my brain never prepared itself for. And I think I was more distracted than some of the students. Um, it's not that it was like anything crazy, but where my, our classroom learning space is, it's right near a door where everybody comes and goes for their music class or for Zed and things like that. So um, we work on 20 minute periods. They, I mean, it's 20 minute periods, but they go longer than that. So having to kind of begin to understand the structure of the transitioning to make sure that I'm not applying any like super independent, silent opportunities for learning that a lot of my kids crave, um, planning them around that so that they can get into their learning zone so they can have their fluid learning opportunities and not feel a distraction. Um, planning in more brain breaks, brain breaks, sorry, meaningful brain breaks to cut into some of the way the time works. Um, but also another thing that I noticed within the first little bit too were how how students were um, how to support students in the fact that some of them were still really nervous to be in this huge space to be transitioning through secondary students even though we were moving to a school that they would have been moving to in grade nine um, as an educator positioning myself in in places to help the kids feel safe so knowing that being in the hallway being in certain uh, key locations as a familiar face. Um, was of vital importance to the success of the kiddos and still in many ways is. So those are two real things that uh, kind of went, huh. I think the latter I definitely kind of presume would be a necessity, but the, the former kind of my, my little brain just never for one second thought about that in the preparation of planning. Um, and then even co-planning once the students got there for their learning success. Do um, you, you strike me as a, as a joyful person. I have. I I admit that I sing a lot. I'm not saying I'm good at it, and I dance in the hallway, and I have a portable speaker that definitely rocks out some tunes that the kids like. And they're like, "When were you born again?" Doesn't matter. (laughs) (laughs) So, so that that joy, that joy, that sort of that that connectivity, as you said, you know, you know, you're you're dancing in the hall. You're 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 spending time in in obvious spaces and sharing this part of yourself. It's you strike me as someone that. We'll go there. Am I on? Am I on point so far? One hundred percent. And I mean, I yesterday was the first day of spring, right? So I didn't care that it started at noon. I had my bright yellow pants on and my flower shoes. Perfect. That comes out the first day of spring, and it's they can be pretty. They're they're larger than life in some ways. So um, it's it it makes people. It's fun. So it's you know yeah. So. Here, here's 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 where it brings me. One of the biggest things that I, I wrote on the page here is how to lose control fearlessly. <laughs> and I think that there's there's two spaces I'd I'd like to play here with. One, 
you've said that some of the students are, you know, they're, they're, they're nervous in this new space that they're in. Like they're, they're recognizing that there's so much more to fill. So what does, maybe it's the same question. What does the staging of that release into the space look like? And I guess for you, when I, when I think about the joy that you're, you're putting in the hall, do you, do you feel do you feel the the relational connection of that is that there's people that really depend on you to sort of rep that way that you, you know, you're sort of like, yeah, you know what, if you, you, you want to kind of connect, like go down and see Allison. Like, do you find are people showing up and just like, yeah, you know, I just, I don't know why I'm here, but I'm just going to kind of hang for a bit. So it's a two-parter. How do you stage it for the kids to sort of get to that space that you sound like you demonstrate quite easily? And also, do you have people just kind of showing up? They need that sort of like that moment kind of correction. Like, go see Allison. Like, she'll, she'll set you straight. <laughs> um, well, I, I just want to, you know, I just, I would say I'm, I'm pretty positive at school all the time. Um, I, I will be honest. I've, I've had my moments of being like, okay, what is, what is happening? Um, how can I, like, serious moments? And I, I definitely come home sometimes super tired. So I just don't want anyone to think that I'm like this um, – I have my moments. I think we, everybody has them, but it, in the school level, um, I'm going to go to the second one first. The, one of the things, the, the people coming to me, one of the things that really shocked me, but it was a really proud moment, but also it's like a, uh, a time management thing, um, was secondary students that I taught coming to me and saying, okay, well, we have this project we want to work on. Can we use your class to like survey them? Or we're work, we have this club. Um, do your kids want to be part of it? So I had former students in the high school level coming up to me and um, asking, you know, asking for advice and support on this transition. And I never thought that. And I I'm definitely put myself out there to the secondary staff to be introduced to many of them and say, like, hey, like, if you're part of this club, can I help you? Uh-oh, my dog just got caught in the speakers. <laughs> <laughs> I'm so sorry. <laughs> no, no problem. On my lap with the speakers and rip my earphones. <laughs> Who names He's... kids when you have dogs? <laughs> what's what's the dog's name again? Um, his name is Ruxin, R-U-X-I-N, and he's lovely, but he doesn't like it when he's not getting attention at night. Sometimes, apparently. <laughs> um, but that so there was there's been a few teachers that have come to me just because of some backgrounds that they know that I was familiar with. I let people know and uh, students coming, but in terms of like my own students they they've kind of looked for safer spaces like they've they've wanted to stay in to work on things they still know know that they need to go outside but um it's been creating safe spaces fun spaces knowing that the room is 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 a it, it isn't my classroom it isn't just for the students in there that it's a learning space for all that um there's board games and things like that just to, to make it a familiar um familiar place kind of like kind of like cheers you know minus all that stuff that kids that you know minus all that other thing I, I hesitate I kind of regret almost using that example but cheers is a familiar <laughs> kind of place like I remember watching that show as a kid and being like okay minus minus that stuff that's in their glasses um it just the spirit the spirit of cheers the spirit, the spirit of, of cheers, cheers exactly or there the spirit go. of friends minus all the drama um that's the kind of places that we want to create for our students and so that's kind of essential um 
I think what's perfect about like you start to realize almost any 80s reference is problematic through a teacher lens. <laughs> like, no, yeah. friends. No, not friends. Uh, cheers. No, not friends. Facts of like, no, not facts of life. <laughs> I don't like that. <laughs> it's like it's start like. <laughs> yeah, it, it's, yeah, I kind of, as soon as I started saying like, oh, but it's, it's, I'm not sure if I really answered your question, but it's, it, it kind of, um, that part never changed. Like that was always a part of what I had at, at our former school. Um, but it was definitely, um, the shock, the, the, the pleasant shock of having people coming upstairs suddenly, not just because they wanted to see what the seven, eight wing looked like, but because they saw these opportunities, students saw these opportunities to collaborate and to try to figure it out and having these big visions when sometimes we need to scale it back and like go step by step because we have to be respectful of the needs of the seven to eights and, you know, um, trying to navigate like these, these, these aren't little kids. These are the grade eights are going to be grade nine soon. So yes, as teachers being like, okay, let's still give them their grade eight opportunities, but we, they're in their grade nine school already. Um, how do we navigate that? How does that work? What does that look like? How does that change us as a, as a teacher? How like, are we changing our practice to model more what it's going to look like in grade nine? Cause we see it or we can speak to those teachers. Um, that's a total like down a different road path conversation, but uh, yeah. One of the reasons that I ask is that, okay, so one of the things that's that I'm always fascinated by is the I've I've heard at the high school level, you know, ex student, you really should work on that insert whatever skill, whatever challenge, yeah. Because when you get to, when you get to post secondary, X is going to happen. And then I've heard a very similar conversation at elementary. Well, yeah, you know what? We do this now in elementary, but when you get to high school and it's all this, it's this off-putting to each other stage. And one of the things that I'm just, I'm mind blown. I think about my own children and right now in elementary and I look at their explosive creativity. They're just, they're, they're, unabashed approach to making and just doing and asking tons of questions, no matter how ridiculous. And I'm pre-morning, pre-morning the change that happens in that transition between elementary and secondary. So I'm, I'm curious if, you know, with having the seven to 12, and it might be, there might take a little bit of time to sort of see this, but I wonder about are the sevens and eights in a seven to 12 more like high school or are they still hanging on to that magic that I will say happens in elementary and middle school? I think based off what I'm seeing, like, and to be, I, I still think that there is, okay. The conversations that I've had, especially cause I'm a, I'm a French educator or, you know, French language, uh, geography, health, history, you know, those are all taught in the French language. Uh, speaking with some of the teachers in that department and sharing some of the multimedia resources that we do, it makes me very um, feel positive for not. Like, I see a shift occurring, and I mean it's not necessarily moving at rocket pace, but yeah, I see a very different approach from elementary to secondary. Partly because you know us in the intermediate elementary, we need to be kind of a jack of all trades. Sometimes we don't necessarily get to be placed into our specialty. And or we'll teach multiple subjects, including our specialty. So we need to we need to think outside of the box with our students for our students. Um, we have different preps. You know, our 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 preps can run on a very different schedule versus the the preps that the secondary has. And um, where I'm going with this is that there's 
there is still language being used, I feel, in our spot because we're not, it's still, still, it's still very fresh that we are aware that what we may be doing now may not be reflective of where students are going and that in the same breath, the same thing from secondary to post-secondary. But I also have heard through many different spots that that is shifting, that the creativity, because the jobs that exist out there don't reflect this like blip in a person's life where creativity and freedom of learning and imagination can't be had. So I think as we hear more in the media with regards to companies searching for critical thinkers, people who are curious, first and foremost, creative, that sure, they can follow a structure, but at the same time can post the why question and, you know, push that company to the better, to be better or push their profession to be better. Um, I think that message is, is starting to really kick in for a lot of people. But I think that, too, is representative of, of how long people have been teaching that same position. So um, I'm not saying this is true of my school by any means. I don't know some of the educators well enough. It's still like, again, it feels fresh. But when you stop seeking out professional development on your own, uh, to me, being on Twitter allows me to learn so much on a daily basis without paying for a course. It just makes me think if we're not seeking out what's actually happening in the world around us, then what what does that do for our students? Um you can look at curriculum goals from a variety of angles and see multitude, multiple, multiple entry points that allow students to show their learning based on those big expectations while still, if, if we can allow students to have multiple entry points um, to, to meet those big ideas, sure, it's a bit more work on us. Um, but I say this with a grain of salt in some ways or a little hesitation as, as I do sometimes a lot of things. Aside from my coursework, I've never had to write a paper. Um, I in sec like when I did my my um, undergraduate degree, yeah, I had to write a paper, but I wasn't a teacher first. I worked for a company, and I don't remember ever writing a massive thesis or a paper. I remember writing memos and things like that, and having to be a good writer there. But the applicable um, the the applicable uh, skills that I had were that of integrative thinking and design thinking and being able to question respectfully and to have meaningful critical dialogue with my colleagues. So how are we prepping our students in that way across the system? And we do that in, in elementary, not everybody, but a lot of people do. Then when I think secondary are starting to see that students come through, that they have the teachers have to change or they're going to see more behavior issues because students are pushing back respectfully. So um, there's your really twisted, convoluted answer on that. No, I love it. It it, it totally taps into. I've I've had other conversations about the benefits of multi generational schools, mm-hmm. and this this plays a little bit into this. Like it's it's part of the conversation. Like what would a what would a school look like that allowed retirees to come and take courses with the teenagers? Mm-hmm. Because there's spaces available, and if your school is a community hub, then why couldn't why would someone have to go to night school? Like, let's be honest. Like, like why do you really have to do that? And we can talk about law, and we can talk about you know making sure that people have uh, security checks and all this kind of stuff. But that's just paperwork and process. You know, that sort of like if 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 there's somebody in the community that wants to take their grade eleven English class, and there's a space, then all of a sudden you have this 
kind of in, really interesting and kind of dan- dynamic way to look at a school as a community hub. Mm-hmm. And I think part of that is also whether we're talking about, I mean, we have a K to 12 system, but what does that look like when that campus is really close to one another? You know, why, why do we have, why do we, why do we specifically have to sort of separate that into two different campuses? So I love, I love, I love the experience that you're getting. I think it's, I think it's a gold mine of experience to sort of look at, you know, the justification for why we keep kids separated. And there's a whole lot of developmental arguments you could have. There's a whole lot of curriculum arguments, logistics of scheduling, but you're kind of doing it. And I think it's, I think it's really Really cool. Well, it, com- it comes down really to cool. like the idea that it's we are a we're local and global citizens. So our students are not their learning isn't confined to four walls. The learning is something they do every moment of every day, and the learning should never stop just at the classroom. The relationships that we develop within our classrooms to create to foster that curiosity and learning, we need to let our students recognize that they can learn so much from their community and bring the community in, be it from a local or global perspective. And so it kind of connects to what you're saying is um, to me, no matter what the grade, bring in the experts, bring in the the people that live in the positions that these students dream to have. Um, one of the things that this is totally going off the rails a little bit, but um, for some reason it, it bothers me when I hear, well, when you're in the real world, our students are in the real world. They're in their reality. Their job is to be a learner and hopefully for the rest of their lives to be a learner. I mean, that's a utopian approach probably. So we have a, a real responsibility to get them tapping into their passions, to tapping into what makes them tick. And they may change that multitudes of times, but some experiences that I've had working um, with the Ministry of Education, which has been probably some of the best actually, um, and talking to some students who graduated saying like, yeah, no one really asked me what I wanted to do. Or they kind of shunned when I said I wanted to be a hair cutter or a hairdresser. Sorry, that's the, the correct term. Um, and I, I really wanted to do this, but I, I just don't know what to do. Like, how do I get to that point? If we, if we start to listen to our students and listen to what their needs are, delve into their strengths versus like thinking about their weaknesses and seeing it as this is your area of growth based off the strengths that you have. Um, who knows what our students could do and who knows where that could take their learning and how that can kind of shift the system. I love, I love that you drew in the global goals because it right away, sorry, the global lens, it right away draws in and pushes out that lens to look at what does that, what does that connectivity look like when you're no longer 100% dependent on learning in the space that you're in. And it's a very different, I think it, it kind of goes back to our discussion around working with um, student mm-hmm. candidates and, and and expanding their PLN at the same time that they're going in for their practicum. And to be able to have conversations about their practicum experience with their practicum teacher, whoever's supervising them. But then on their lunch break, they could then reach out digitally and say, I'm curious about this thing that I saw in class about, you know, using Google Docs. And then they could come back period three after lunch, having taken a little mini AQ and how to, like they could actually come back corrected and educated. And especially if they're eager and curious. And I like that. I like the, 
I like that sort of like existing, existing and activating locally, but learning globally kind of a, a elasticity. And I, one of the things that's kind of, I know, you know, I have student voice and multiliteracies written down on the sketch note here, mm. but I think there's a really sweet extension out of what you're talking about to then wrapping it around um, what I see popping up frequently on your feed about um, sustainable sort of global goals. <laughs> yeah. And and I think that, you know, a couple of years ago, there would have been a harder, like I hear students now in grade, in grade nine and 10 talking about their PLN. And when I think their PLN, I don't necessarily think they're talking about their study group. They're talking about the individuals that they connect with outside mm-hmm. of their, their class, outside of their, their school. So I, I, can you speak a little bit to why, you know, like you are, you impassioned, you're sort of energized, you're, this is something that I think is in your teacher's soul, is making sure that that education opportunities are connected with this big picture. And I'm just curious as, how was that brought to you in the first place? How was that idea of sort of connecting those global goals brought to you in a way that you're like, yo, I'm in, like, this is something that like, soak me with it. Cause I'm going to, I'm going to bring it. How was it brought to you the first time that idea of the, you know, using the global goals as teaching tool or just like the, the vehicle um, to learn To be honest, <clears throat> it was even prior to, so, you know, the, in 2000, there were the millennium goals, but prior to that, so I'm a first generation Canadian. Um, my father was very adamant, uh, in many ways about making sure that I was aware of what was going on in the world around me and that I had a responsibility to be an active citizen. So from a young age, it was something ingrained in me and sure. At some points it was kind of like, this is not how you're going to think, but this is what you need to think about and you decide how to think about it. Um, so the sustainable development goals, came to my attention when I just kind of um, was browsing through the UN websites and like it was, it was already out for a couple months. I went, Oh my gosh, how did I space out on this? And then on Twitter, of course um, you start to see things, you start to dig in deep and then you connect with the right people because of your social media PLN and bada boom, bada bing. It's it was kind of the best. um, It kind of encompassed how I grew up, but, I want to note that I've been very mindful too that though this is a passion for me and I see this as being something that students can find their passion within these goals, see the connection, understand that they're local and global citizens, what that looks like, the the empathy point of view or the empathy piece, that I can't push my agenda though or I can't push this agenda on students. They have to buy into it. I'm at, you know, teaching intermediate students that gray matter of their brain, they're deciding a lot of things at this time frame. I don't want to push them against being awesome for the local and global, that um, it's throwing things at them uh, can only go so far. So how I integrate it, yeah, sure, there's a push at the beginning, but then it's a slow kind of everything that we do is connected to the sustainable development goals. And I hear them saying like, oh yeah, this, this is kind of like, this is a, you know connected to health and this is connected to like, this is cool to see this health thing happening in Nigeria and we have it here too, but they're doing it better over in Sierra Leone or something like that. <clears throat> and without them realizing that they're, they're integrating sustainable development goals, but they're having the global mindset. So whether they're looking at the sustainable development goals as being goals to achieve, they're developing a global sense 
And that to me is a dream because if they have a global sense, then that means they may act on it. Maybe not today, maybe not tomorrow, but they're making themselves aware um, at a local and global level. I had kind of a, a, a cool conversation, unrelated topic to what we're talking about right now, but it was talking about, it, w- it was centered on the, the idea of the teacher kind of stepping out of the way of the, of the actual content and not making the, the moment about themselves, pretty much what you're saying right now. You can, we present it in a way that um, the framing makes it accessible. The actual idea needs to be still the same size, but just better ex- access points to it. We, you know, I think as teachers, many times we have these ideas that pop up on the weekend or you're cooking something or you read something in the news and you kind of go, you write out a post note. Oh yeah. Like I gotta, I gotta, I gotta bring this to the whatever course on Monday. Like it's just, it's a good starter or an icebreaker. And the conversation that I was having with, um, with another educator was around conversations happening in classroom, whether or not conversations really do need to lead to action. Mm-hmm. Um, we talked briefly, just briefly about Jen Apgar, and she posted something from a mis- ministry document. I'll never forget this. The, uh, the, it was maybe back in October, November. And one of the quotes within it kind of, there was a little bit of a chastisement in there in that there's a whole lot of really great conversations that happen in education, but not nearly enough action resulting from it. And I've given a lot of thought to that because I think it really does speak to that space sometimes where the impassioned educator needs to step back and kind of let the students take it from there. And so where we left the conversation with this other colleague, we talked about the connection between pedagogy and protest mm. and what that looks like when when you obviously are the one and you're holding yourself back because it's like, oh, but we could do this and this thing is happening. Is that a challenge for you at all in sort of looking at, you know, that a, a little bit of that, that space, like how far to step in, how to step back? I said to the person I was talking to, I said, I would, lo- I would love to talk with the educator just like, you know what? I don't care. I step in, I go, I run, I push, I go for it. Like they just, they kind of go, I'm all in. I'm going to bring it 100% of the time at 1000%. I don't know if that's me. I, I don't know if that's me. I tend to sort of, I will be a little bit more detached especially if I feel like my agenda is the thing that's entirely driving the conversation or my, the things that I feel I should, you know, things that bug me or things that I should, I feel I should be paying attention to as a, as a citizen. Is that space at all challenging for you? Do you, do you see that space as, um, as, as sort of delicately as I'm framing it? I am this year and it's, it's definitely, I, I would be lying if I said it wasn't a challenge just because I feel so socially charged in that sense, <clears throat> my throat. Um, that it's kind of been part of my upbringing and it's something that I'm super passionate about. I work with educators and students from around the world that are passionate about it too through, through you know, Google Hangouts, Twitter and all this other stuff. I would be a hypocrite in many ways if I didn't allow, that's not even the right word. Learning as educators where, you know, this, this, this has been used before by many, like we, we are the conductors of learning. Um, we can open doors for students and allow students then to open doors for themselves. So sure. There's some things that we kind of just need to push on them. Um, but I don't, 
the in that the idea of reflecting in the moment and letting yourself lose a, some of the lead control um, because it learning for many ages it should be led by students. Sorry, it's hard for me to articulate this, but it, it has been difficult. I've, I've you know letting go of what I foresee as being essential to their learning and making sure that presenting the idea and then saying, well, what are we going to do with this? How are you going to learn with this? Let's look at the curriculum document together. This is this is what we could do with it, but what is your interests and how can you, how can we, how can we run with a social justice lens or how can we run with your coding ideas and like just allowing the freedom of the students to, to advocate for themselves and to not look at it from like, oh my gosh, they, they don't like me as an educator. No, it's, it's not about that. It's about guiding, being there as a resource, being there as a questioner of their learning and supporting them however we can and not ever taking it personally when they're like, uh, that's not that cool. Or I showed, I showed an okay go video the other day and I was watching my students, um, as it went by and okay, go creates these awesome, really spectacular videos. So one moment, um, that, so yeah, we, we looked at it and we've been looking at all of them, but they just, you know, they created that website with sandbox, um, to show kind of the learning and stuff like that. So we were, we went back to it so they could see the videos of how it was made and a couple kids were the first reaction that one kid gave was, well, it's such a waste of resources. And here I'm, I'm thinking of it like, this is just so creative. Look at the imagination to this part. Like what could, look, look what you could do. And it's a waste of resources. And so part of my brain is like, this is how you're going to look at it. And the other part of my brain was like, wait a second, they're seeing it from a global goals perspective. I would never have thought about it in that way. You know, like it, it, you don't, learning happens all the time in these kids' brains and how they're going to perceive things. So throwing... We have to learn to let go. We have to learn to be okay with things getting messy. We have to learn that what we throw at them probably isn't always going to be taken the right way, but what are we going to reflect in the moment? We, we do so much. I think I, we spoke of this in June. Like, um, we learn so much in our edgy programs to be reflective of. But um, Dr. Crocker, who is someone that I – she was one of my uh, edgy leads when I was doing my master's program, who I have so much respect for um, she really made me think about reflecting in the moment, which is something I've consist consistently done because I goof up all the time in the class and I say, okay, you caught me. I made a mistake. Let's look it up. Let's, let's figure this out together. So, um, being able to just step aside for a second, let the kids support the learning. You're not being lazy when you do that. You're actually creating more work for yourself in the end, <laughs> um, which isn't a bad thing. Yeah. Just, just not not working yourself up all the time about throwing things that are so what you think is the right thing and letting the kids sometimes just sort it out on their own and letting them drive the learning through multiple choices. Um, I think it's a good thing. I think it's a healthy thing and it's, it's what their reality is now because they have so many choices when they leave the classroom of what they're going to do when they on their, on their way home. So um, choice is a good thing and mistakes are a good thing. I like that. Uh, I like that kids relensing. It's a waste of resources. That's cool. I, like, <laughs> I yeah, laughed. I that like that. Awesome. Um, how's the dog doing? He's, he's doing a little pacing. Um, I think it's, I, I don't think it's any, any more to do with, uh, you know, I got one more question. I got one more question for you. One, one more one, okay. as, as, as we, awesome. as, as we, as we, as we fade into the, the last few minutes of the, of the hour. So with three months, Okay, three months you got you got left in this year one of the change. Um, I'm curious. I'm curious 
if you're if you if you've got your groove or if you're hitting your groove and if you're starting to think about that okay okay i can kind of get this other thing rolling now i can kind of get the the 2.0 the starting to map out for the next change or the next kind of project or the next i don't know i guess i, I don't want to call it initiative because it sounds way too schooly but when you when you you sort of made the plans over the summer to make the transition into the school then you have another shift when you make it into the school and then you start managing that school time. And it's right around this time that plans are starting to be made for the next school year. And you may or may not be in that space, but I'm curious as to if you're not in that space, making specific plans for 2018, 2019. Oh, scary. Um, I know. Do a little stretch on that one, eh? Ugh. Go do a two-minute run that you say you like to do. <laughs> yeah, I, oh, I oh, wait. sprint right now. Let me sprint. No. <laughs> Just do a sprint on the spot. Yeah. Do it. Yeah. Ready? He's a maniac. <laughs> okay. So, um, so, but, but, but seriously, like what's, are you mapping anything out? Have you, have you found, have you found the resources, a little bit of the brain space, the head space to say, okay, I think I've got this. I'm in the groove. Here's, here's what I'd kind of like to introduce. Here's what I want to seed. Here's what I want to build moving forward. Okay, uh, uh, there's there's a bunch of different ways that I can spin this, but first of all, when this time of the year hits, I'm like, oh my gosh, I only have this much time left, and there's so many things that we have finally gotten our groove sorted on, that there's just not enough time. I am mm-hmm. one of those educators that actually fears the end of the year because it's just not enough time. It's not about hitting all the goal, like the curriculum expectations. It's about all of these awesome opportunities that the kids are starting to see for themselves, and it's like they're they're really getting their voices back, or because I've you know they were gone for a bit, they come back, they go, they you know. Um, so it's really about, I'm still really zoned in on this year. Um, so the groove is definitely there, but the panic of like, oh my gosh, but I definitely am not until I know what I'm teaching the next year. I don't think that far ahead in terms of a classroom. Mm-hmm. Um, I always in the back of my mind, I'm thinking of, you know, uh, opportunities for the community to be brought in or the kids to go to the community, no matter what the grade, but for me, I am in terms of how the school looks at our, our school does some um, seven to 12 clubs, which is kind of different. And some of the uh, planning that we do with our secondary colleagues um, where we shared spaces, I'm looking at that and I'm looking at, well, what has worked this year? What hasn't? Where is student voice being incorporated? Um, what is the perce- perspective of the secondary colleagues? Because we're still, you know, we are still one unit, but we're still separate in some ways. And some, in some ways we need to be separate, in other ways we need to be integrative. Um, those are the kind of things that I am looking ahead to. And ultimately it comes down to administration, making decisions, but also like listening to um, where we are at and where we think we should be going, um, incorporating student voice in the process wherever possible. So yeah, I, I'm there for that um, by all means, but I'm also just in that, oh my gosh, so much to do, so little time, <laughs> as always. Yeah, I'm kind of the same way. Yeah, I I I transition and, and funny, I think I transition well because of that. Sort of being more aware of running out of time as opposed to holding a line of when I feel like I have to train. You know what I mean? There's yeah. sort of it's slightly different mindsets. I don't mind I don't mind being chased by the clock. I mean, to be honest, that was my whole life before I started teaching working in hospitality. We we're always being run down by the clock. And to be honest, we're we're quite successful. I was successful because of it, because I felt like I was, you know maximizing you're maximizing you're trying to just soak it and get it all in so i I have a full appreciation of that energy and and i dig it i think i'm of the same mind um as much as i am a planner in some ways and and 
you know, I think long term and big picture. Um, I also know that again, going back to the reflecting in the moment thing that sometimes we just gotta, you gotta roll with the punches and you gotta, you know, go down to that last second to get something completed or shift that morning because something isn't working in the direction that you wanted it to go. So yeah, I'm, I'm sometimes I I admit that pressure sometimes is better for me. (laughs) Although I know it's technically probably not better for me. You know, it's a, it's double-edged sword. So here's the space where um, you got any shout outs you want to do? Oh, we get to do shout outs. If you want to do a shout out, do a shout out. I, it's sometimes people like they throw a little, you know, they're meant someone was a mentor, you know, uh, you know, an in your face moment, a, um, you can, you can, you can do whatever. I kind of, I'm thinking like shout outs and just after that, let people know where they can reach out to you if they want to chase you for a more conversation and connect off podcast, but online somewhere else if you want. So any shout outs, any mentors out there that you're like, uh, Oh yeah, definitely. Well, sorry. This totally reminds me of like the hot ones at the end where the stars, like they, I don't know if you know the show where they eat wings. It's on YouTube. It's my one YouTube thing that I watch. And they like, they can, they can at the very end do shout out of like, no, whatever. Anyway. Um, yeah, doc. Um, I already mentioned Wendy Crocker. Uh, she truly has, uh, shifted a lot of, she would never say that she was the one that shifted, but she made me think. And um, Dr. Briscoe at U Ottawa, who gave me the chance to actually push my thinking at the secondary or at the post-secondary level as a quote-unquote professor, Mr. Jana for actually pushing me to do these podcasts. Um, <laughs> I yeah hesitated, and and you know, your shout out to you because you, you the comfort level that you create for this. But there's so many educators out there. Um, Ada McKinn is one of them. Like I, I, I'm kind of running over my words because there's just so many inspirational people that have helped and inspire me, um, on the daily and, uh, my students too. Like it sounds so cliche, but students inspire me every single day with the silly things that they say and the awesome things that they do. Thank you for throwing me into the mix there. I, I appreciate, uh, I appreciate that. So if someone was to, to reach out, connect with here where would you like to be found um i would say that twitter is probably the best way i admit that sometimes i'm slower so at allison underscore fleece um f-u-i-s said i just wanted to spell that because it kind of sounds fun to spell um it's definitely probably the quickest way to reach out to me and then from there i would you know either google hangout or email or something like that but a dm or a follow on twitter is is definitely the quickest way to connect and definitely enjoy collaborating with educators because uh the world's a better place when we work together. That's a good rap. <laughs> That's a good Thanks. rap. I I wish I had a good like 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 guitar riff I could throw in at the at the end there. That's <laughs> that's, that's solid. Thanks for spending time with me. I'm 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 thrilled that, you know, it only took eight months. It was a long engagement. <laughs> I think it worked out okay. Hey, you know what? And as I mentioned, thanks for the patience and uh, for for the opportunity. It's it's fun to chat. It really is. And uh, it was, despite some of my stutters, it's because you make me think. And it's it's a reflective, it's a reflecting moment um, to have to do these kind of things, which is reflecting in the moment is important, but there's still value in reflecting on moments and um, to make you think and push push yourselves push ourselves as educators and nothing better than the dog ripping your headphones off your face <laughs> to make so it reflect the moment. Like I, 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 so, Oh, I'm reflecting the moment. I should have put the cord up a little higher, yeah. just a little higher. <laughs> Speaking of which, yeah, <laughs> that's, there's, there's the power of reflect. And now you'll look down, you see that in his sleep, he's been chewing on the other cord there. So you're like, Oh, come on, buddy. 
Stop oh, <laughs> Okay, I'll take that. Dang golden doodles, <laughs> I tell ya. I, I, I hear I, the minds of the room. Exactly, wrong, exactly. Which... All right, Allison, thank you so much for your time. Thank you, and I look forward to chatting with you online and, and all the other awesome mediums that are created in this virtual world. Absolutely, absolutely. We'll chat soon. Take care. Sounds good. Have an awesome night and a great rest of your week. Thanks. Bye. Bye-bye. Thanks for listening to Chasing Squirrels Podcast. You can find other episodes on iTunes and on Podbean. You ever want to connect with me? You can reach me on Twitter at Chris J. Clough, or you can reach out to me, ChrisJClough at gmail.com.